This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. So this is uh, not a football. Who knows what it is? Yeah, it's a rugby ball. We uh, play soccer in our house, so this makes a lot of sense. Uh, my grandfather was a coach for, a referee for soccer. My father-in-law, decades of being a coach for soccer. She grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing soccer. All of our sons play soccer, except this guy comes to me about six months ago and says, hey, I want to play rugby. And so I think, all right, let's you know, go along. He's like, no, Dad, you can't do that. If you're going to play rugby, there's certain rules. You can't, it's not American football. You don't throw it that way. You have to throw it this way. And you can't throw it forwards. You have to throw it to the side or behind you. In American football, you know, if you get hit, you go down, right? And then like, all right, it stops. If the enemy, if the other team puts you down, you're done, right? Well, in rugby, there's this amazing thing. If you go down, your team comes around you and keeps the other team back so that you can get the ball back to your team and you can keep going. That'll preach, won't it? That'll, yeah. This is, but to participate, to relate to this game, you have to respect the rules. And I know that's not any different than any other game, right? All right, you can take that with you. Thanks, Chief. If you're going to relate, you have to respect the nature of the game. If you're going to play basketball, you have to respect the nature of the game. If you're going to play football, whatever it might be, if you want to relate, you have to respect the nature. No different than if you go out and you want to be in the hot sun, 80 degree sun, 90 degree sun, if you want to be out in that, you have to respect its nature, right? So if you are like I am, you've got to cover up, cover up. I say that because we're in this short series last week, this week, and next week where we're talking about the nature of God. The way that God is, his essence, his very nature. And if you are going to relate to God, have a relationship with God, you must respect that nature. Last week we talked that God is spirit. If you weren't able to be with us, you can go to whoishouseontherock.com. You can watch, listen to messages, review messages. And I talked about the fact that God is spirit means that if I'm going to relate to God, then it's a spiritual thing. I'm not chasing after the feel goods. I am going to relate to him in a spiritual way, in truth, in spirit, worship. It's a spiritual thing. And this week we want to continue God is light. What does that mean to say that God is light? If you're a guest, thank you for being here. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors, a teacher here, one of the elders. 
And it means a lot that you've entrusted this time to us. And it's my prayer that this morning, whatever brought you through the door, the tension that you're feeling, the darkness that you're wrestling with, or even our longtime members and attenders, you will find great hope and encouragement and challenge in the fact that God is light. Let me ask God's blessing upon what we're about to do, that the Spirit of God would do it and that darkness would stay back. Let me pray. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. We ask your blessing and your presence here, that you would make yourself known here. You are Spirit. but move amongst us like the sun that rises and the light that dawns upon and warms. Do that in our very souls this morning. May your face shine upon us to the forces of evil that would lie and distract and, and trip us up and make us stumble. We say, get back, get out of our sight, get out of our way. You don't belong here. This is holy space. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. In his name we pray, amen. So take out a Bible. Uh, if you didn't bring one, there's located in the seats in front of you. I'm reminded often they're very difficult to read. They're small print. That's okay. It's, you'll remember to bring your own or go buy one. Or we'll have it posted up here on the screen so you can follow along. First John is the book that we're going to look at. First John chapter 1, small book in the back of your Bible. In the back of your Bible. So you're going to find the book of Revelation. If you're all the way in the back, they got Jude and 3rd John, 2nd John, 1st John. We're going to be in the beginning of that. Okay. Word John and more than a few books in the Bible. So make sure you're not in the Gospel of John. Not going to be there. Looking for 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through 10. Broad stroke. When we talk about the reality that God is light. Not a light. Like that is a light and that is a light and that is a light. And on my phone is a light. To say that God is light is to talk about the moral nature of God. That there is right and there is wrong. There's a way that we are to correctly engage with God. If you will relate, you must respect. That he is pure He's majestic. He's glorious. He is light. So with that in mind, let me read this passage from 1 John chapter 1. This is going to be verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read this, and there's a possibility you're going to get confused. Because this is confusing. Okay? John has this way of writing. And you ever been with someone who tells stories and they like talk in circles? Like, or maybe you're the one who talks in circles and you've known it for a while, but you just, you keep doing it. Um, 
And John writes that way. He'll say something and then he'll say something else and then he'll swing back around and say it again, but a little bit different. Then he'll swing back and then he'll swing back and say a little bit different. He's going to do that in this passage. So I'm going to read all the way through the passage and you'll be like, yep. Um, uh. And then I'm going to chunk it together so you can see what he wants us to focus on. Okay. First John chapter one, verses five through 10. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Maybe, you, could you feel a little bit? This keeps going this round and around and around and around. These similar ideas that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Topic, sentence, main idea. God is light. He is pure, righteous, holy. There's this moralness that's not a part of him. It is him. He is light. He is pure. He is glorious. And in him is no darkness. Darkness, chaos, sin, destruction, death. And so what John does for us, he unpacks then what is the reality? What it is to walk in darkness? What is it to walk in light? And so verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 10 have to do with walking in darkness. And then verse 7 and verse 9, he alternates. What does it mean to walk in light? Let's talk just first. What does it mean to walk in darkness? Okay. Let me read those three verses, verses 6 and verses 8 and verses 10 together, just so you can see these ideas. And then I'll just make some observations. Verse 6, if we say... We have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. We lie. We don't practice the truth. Now, this is, he's going to say it a little bit differently in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth, it's not in us. Verse 10. A little bit different, same thing. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. To walk in darkness is to not acknowledge our darkness. To say that we have not sinned, to say that we do not sin, to say that we are what, to, to say that, oh yeah, I have a relationship with God while I practice the things of the dark is a lie. It's false. It's not true. There is such a thing as walking in darkness 
It's not acknowledging our own sinful nature. It's not bringing it rightly before God. And do you see how again and again and again he equates that with lying and falseness and deceitfulness? If you say that you do not sin, present tense, he says you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. To say that you are not a sinner in the past. You have not sinned, verse 10. He says, are you you're calling God a liar? Calling him a liar? This is the truth, it's not in you. The nature of God is something you cannot manipulate. You cannot bend it to your will. And you can see how this is paramount in our time and our culture. We uh, would take the boys to the Columbus Zoo back when the boys were younger. Now, you know, 17 years old, 16 years old, 14 years old. You're like, hey, let's go to the zoo. Um, uh, so we go to the Columbus Zoo, and at the Columbus Zoo, they have the, the nocturnal building where all the animals that sleep during the day, but they're up at night. Well, if you're only there during the day and you want to see the nocturnal animals, what do you do? And so what do they do when they bring those animals in? They rehabituate them in time, meaning they shift their sleep cycle so that eventually they think it's nighttime when it's really day so that they can be up and you can relate to them. You can't do that with God. You can't try to bend God's nature to accommodate your sinfulness. It doesn't matter if you relabel it. It doesn't matter if the government legalizes it. He is still light and that is still dark. Oh, I just got a little buzzed. No, you got drunk. It's wrong. You're not sleeping together. It's fornication. It's wrong. It's not your spouse. That's adultery. It's wrong. If you're going to relate, you have to respect. And so again and again and again, John says, walking in darkness, you're lying about your own darkness, your habit of darkness, your past of darkness. Because what John's going to say is if you're going to walk the walk, you've got to learn how to talk the talk. If you're going to walk the walk, you're going to have to learn how to talk the talk. So let's talk about walking in light. This is highlighted in verse 7 and verse 9. I'll read them both together just so you can see the contrast. Verse 7 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1. If we walk in the light, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So what are these elements that he's stringing together on what it means to walk in the light? He's talking about acknowledging my sinfulness, to confess your sins. When I acknowledge I am broken, I am corrupt, I am treasonous, when I honestly come before the Father, a couple things start to happen. I am cleansed of that corruption by the blood of Jesus Christ. He, in his faithfulness, and his just, forgives me, restores me in relationship. And we have fellowship one with another. If I want to walk the walk, I have to talk the talk. This is me. It wasn't a fine week. Everything's not okay. I struggled with this. I screwed up that. I busted that hardcore. Worst dad moments ever. This is me. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Believe it or not, this is a big deal. This is actually a really big deal in Scripture. In fact, it bookends the entire Bible. From the first page to the last page. And so I want to quickly, as well as I quickly can, but still communicate what needs to be said, show you this priority. And so I'm going to go through a lot of verses, and I'm just going to kind of share them out loud to highlight this theme. You might want to write them down or ignore me altogether. I, mean, I don't know if there's any other options. Um, so let, let's, let's, let's pretend that we're going to pay attention. Okay, so we're going to go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. How big is this idea that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all? And Jesus Christ, this message that he's proclaimed to us from the beginning, that Jesus is the light of the world. Right? Genesis 1. Is he really going to go through the whole? Yeah, yeah. Bennett does it all the time, so I'm going to try. Genesis 1, listen, ready? You've heard this. If you grew up in church, you've heard this. But have you seen this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Okay, so what's the state of things? What's the reality? What's the beginning of reality that we're being presented to in this moment? It is dark. It is deep. It is chaos. Chaos waters saturate everything. It is a pool of darkness. And into that darkness, it says what? The Spirit of God hovers over the chaos. And what is the very first thing that we're told God speaks into what will be our reality? In your Bible, it's a phrase, but in truth, it's just one word. Into the chaos, he says, light. Into the darkness, he establishes a moral universe where his presence dwells. God saw that the light was good. We like good things, right? Darkness, not good. But what is the light? The light is 
good. And God separated the light from the darkness. There's a distinction. There's a difference. We have this modeled for us on a a 24-hour-a-day basis that this is a moral universe, that there is darkness, but what triumphs over the darkness? The light of God. The light of God. Throughout the story, what do we see? Mankind. Do we like the light? What do we like? What do we like? We like the night. So much so that you have stories like Egypt and Israel being carried into bondage and Pharaoh keeping them oppressed unjustly and God having to bring plagues to decreate all that he's done. And before God unleashes death upon the Egyptians, the last great judgment, what's the last thing that he speaks as a plague? Great judgment against the people. Night. Perfect. It says it's a night and a darkness that you can feel. While Israel gets to live in light, Egypt is experiencing darkness. How many of you ever experienced a darkness that you can feel? Like it's more than it's dark outside. It's saturated, saturated with an evil. Maybe you know this just in your own life. Maybe it's one of the reasons you struggle with some of the things that you know are to be the things of God because God in his graciousness will shine a light on and you feel and you draw and you lurch back because you know what it means to feel the darkness. And so throughout the Old Testament, you see humanity struggling with the reality of dwelling in darkness. But into that, God would send prophets, prophets like the the man Isaiah. This is an Advent passage, a Christmas passage. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, those dwelling in darkness, in the land of deep darkness, a light has shone. For unto us a child is given, a son is born. The promise and prophecy that into the darkness, God was sending a light. So no wonder the beginning of the Gospels have wonderful light and dark passages. Can we read one for you? This is John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Some of you are like, that's where I was. And then you told me I was wrong. John chapter 1. John likes the book of Genesis. John likes to hint at the ideas in Genesis. Listen how he presents it, talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Talking in circles. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Talking about Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming 
into the world. Up until the point of Jesus, we just lived in the tension that we are in darkness and God who is light and the separation. But God was now sending light into the darkness, into the person, Jesus Christ, God's only son. So John will go on to say, this is Jesus, the light of the world. Do you ever think about that drama when he hung upon the cross? It says at the ninth hour, the sixth hour, this would be noon. Jesus has been on the cross for quite a few hours now. A deep darkness covered the land and the sun was blotted out. This is Matthew chapter 27. God, as if to put it in living color, God, as if to turn it up to high definition. This is the drama that's at play. This is the tension between light and dark. And as Jesus takes upon your sin and my sin upon himself, what covers everything? Darkness covers the land. Is there any wonder then you get to the beginning of Matthew 28. And because God puts the cookies on the bottom shelf, and I'm thankful. If you were God and you wanted to make something obvious about what's going on, and you had to pick what 24, what part of a 24 hour period Jesus should rise from the grave victorious over darkness and sin and death, what time of day would you pick? I don't know, like lunchtime? I like lunch. Do we do lunchtime? No. When does Jesus rise? At the dawn. Yeah. He rises with the dawn. He rises with the new day. As a new sun bursts forth over creation, Jesus birthing out of sin and darkness and death, bringing the triumph and victory of Jesus. All these things are at play. Why? Because light is coming to destroy darkness. And then he looks to you and he looks to me. Peter brings this up. He says, hey, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. People who were once in darkness called into his glorious light. First Peter chapter 2. And the battle, the ministry that we're to engage in, is a battle against the darkness. In Ephesians chapter 6, let me read this one for you. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. G-E-P-C. Go eat popcorn. That's how you remember that. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Bottom shelf, okay? Sorry. Learned that one in seminary. <laughs> Cost me $40,000. Still paying for it. <laughs> Maybe someone will pay it off for me. I won't do it. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 12. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church about what we struggle with. What we're fighting against. Okay? What he's going to say is you're not, he says, you're not fighting against your neighbor. You're not uh, fighting against your alcoholism. You're not fighting against your pornography. You're not fighting against your mean dad. You're not fighting against your narcissistic mom. You're not fighting against your teenage kids. 
You're not fighting against CNN. You're not fighting against Fox. Because you're not fighting against those things. It might look like you're fighting against those things. Look what he says. Verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil, where are they? In the heavenly places. That our battle is a battle against darkness, spiritual darkness, evil that is darkness. So oftentimes we get consumed with the things that we can see and the things that we can touch. The things that can be broadcast upon the news, things that can be shared on your Facebook feed. That's peewee ball. That's peewee ball. The Apostle Paul is inviting, calling, if you will, the followers of Jesus Christ to engage in the real battle between light and darkness. And he says it is spiritual darkness of rulers and authorities and principalities. These are all structures of demonic forces, okay, if you did not know. Okay, that's like saying colonel, lieutenant, captain, general, this. Rulers and principalities and powers, structures of evil in the spiritual realm. That's the darkness that we're called to fight against. And continue to fight against. He is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So if we're going to walk the walk, we need to talk the talk. But don't worry, I read the last page. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. Go ahead and look at it if you want to. Very last page. Very last page. And the night was no more. And the night was no more. It says there isn't even a need for like the sun and the stars. Why? Because the very light of God now consumes, embraces, and swallows up God's people. They walk with God in the light of day. He is their light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. beginning to end. What does this mean for us if we are to respect so we can relate? How do I respect God's nature? How do I walk in the light? I'm going to walk the walk. I have to talk the talk. I need to begin and start to be honest about how I am, where I am, what I'm facing, what I'm going through. To speak honestly about my own corruption and treason and brokenness. Sin of the present, sin in the past. I'm not saying you need to stand up here. I've been in churches that do this. Not happening here, okay? You need to come up here and confess your sins in front of everybody. No. 
But does there need to be someone? Should there be someone? Must there be someone in your own life that you might confess your sins one to another that you'd be healed? Yes. Yeah. There needs to be a couple brothers and sisters in your own life to whom you are held accountable so that you can walk in the light. No longer fostering a culture where we lie about how awesome we are. But to say, this is me. This is me. I hope you don't think I got all my stuff together. A hot mess. I got four people that I live with and they will willingly tell you he's a hot mess. Before I was out of junior high, okay, before I was out of junior high, forces of evil had worked themselves into my life in such a way that I had already established vile strongholds of sexual addiction. Before I made it to high school, And then free me to go to college? Yeah. Yeah. And have I experienced victory and help? 100%. Did I participate in counseling groups? Do I still go see a counselor on a regular basis? Yeah, you know it. Is my wife allowed to come in and grab my beard and look me in the face? Are you okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And we speak the same language. To be honest about that, to talk about that, that that doesn't go away. Do some people experience tremendous healing in the area of some of their strongholds? Sure. Me? No, I have to fight it every day. That's just me. And if it's not, that stronghold, it's food. I fight against food every day. But you've lost 60 pounds. Yeah, lost 60 pounds. I could still eat a giant pizza now in front of hungry children in Nigeria. Just like I could. I'm serious. I'm serious. Like it's there. Like my son, like he has his 17th birthday tomorrow. I, I, I have a 17-year-old. And so we went shopping yesterday to get stuff for his birthday cake. And he wants like, I want chocolate, chocolate, chocolate cake. And so what's my wife do? Go on Pinterest and find the most decadent, amazing chocolate construction for her 17-year-old son possible. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so we're hitting grandpa's candy store and we're hitting wine-ins and we're hitting, where's the other place that we went to? We went to one more. Like we hit three, oh, we just we're hitting all these places, and it's like here, 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 and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. At any moment, that'll make me feel better. 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 That's me. That's me. And on most days of the week, I'm sad. I just am. I'm just sad but I want to walk the walk. And so I've had to learn how to talk the talk. I'm not okay. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me. It says he is faithful and just. God is faithful and just. Just meaning it's his desire that I be restored to him. 
restored in righteousness, rightly walking with him, rightly walking one with another. So if I'm going to walk the walk, what do I need to do? I need to talk the talk that I'm not okay. We have these moments, and maybe you've noticed it on Sunday mornings. I'll do this thing. I'll preach from the Bible, and then I'll talk about Jesus and how we need to respond to him. And I'll give an invitation. And there's this thing that will happen in your spirit. We're like, oh, I might, I, sh- I should maybe, I, I could, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm messed up. And so you'll leave. And I'll, I'll say something like, hey, I'll be down here and I'd love the chance to pray with you. And the elders gather around you to encourage you or to walk with you as you go to the cross to experience restoration and forgiveness in healing. Men, lead the way. Men, lead the way. This is what real men do. I'm not okay. Can someone pray for me, please? not okay. If you've been reading through scripture uh, with me through the Bible, you're, you're, you're working your way through Mark and you just read about a guy named Blind Bart, Blind Bartimaeus. And he senses that Jesus has gone through and he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And the church is trying to keep them quiet and the church is trying to keep things neat and tidy and clean because that's what church people do. Let's keep it neat and tidy and clean and we can't have six sinful people making their way towards Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want? You want to see? Do you want to move from darkness to light? Be healed. Guys, learn to not care. Learn that it's better to see than to live in the dark. Let me invite you, uh, if you want to walk in the light more and more, experience God, this is, um, this is for everyone, but I'm still yelling at the guys, okay? I'm still yelling at the guys. Okay, if you want, if you want more light in your marriages and more light in, in your kids and in your grandkids and more light at work and more light at wherever it is you hang out, learn to saturate your life with God's word. For he says in Psalm 119, verse 105, for your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so we've been reading through scripture together this whole year. Your August reading guides are up here. If you've never been here, uh, one of the things that we do as a church family is we read through scripture together. And there's all the days of August and it shows you four chapters. We read it together, whether it's in the morning or in the evening. And there's a covenant that you can come up and sign Well, I'm not too good at it. I don't understand it. So engage, try, grow. God starts, it's a, it's a confusing book. There are parts that are like weird, naughty, hard to understand. Yeah. But God shines a light into me that it might be reflected into my wife and reflected into my sons and reflected into my church family. How interesting that the more and more I want to walk in darkness, the more and more I'll push away the light of God. So if you want to slap me in the face and disrespect me and mock the ministry of this church, stand up after the service, tell yourself that you're fine, 
and just walk out the door. But that would be a lie, wouldn't it? Because if this is really a battle, a war between light and dark, and we are working at a cosmic level, is there any soldier that could honestly say, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Really? If you think you're fine, then it's worse for you than, than you realize. I've said a lot and, and, and you feel insulted and, and you feel mocked. Um, okay. I want us to have some space just to reflect on these things because maybe it's less than what I said and more the reality that God wants to shine a light on some things that you've been trying to keep in the dark. So Nikki's going to play a song, and the song is actually the oldest hymn that the Christian church has. It was written just a couple hundred years after the arrival of the early church. And the story is, I don't know if it's true, but it's a cool story, that Christians would gather at the tomb of Jesus each evening to relight a candle that they kept perpetually burning there. And they would recite these words, Oh, gladsome light. So as this plays, let's just calm our hearts and minds. What is God saying to you? What is he asking you to do about it? Then I'll come back up and I'll pray. might be a spiritual tension that you're starting to feel or have felt. 
It's the actual battle for the joy and salvation of your soul. As God's light is working its way in and through the darkness that has gripped you for so long. And to enter that space, you are terrified. You are terrified. But he assures you, for there you will find fellowship, the forgiveness of your sins, the cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.